Hi, I'm Emma Quigley, Senior Vice President of Institutional Business Development at Angel Oak Capital Advisors. I want to talk today about the opportunities that Angel Oak is seeing within Financials Credit, but in particular, the robust ESG framework that we've built around the strategy. I'm joined today by Rob McDonough, Director of ESG and Regulatory Initiatives. Rob's framework has given us the ability to both integrate ESG in the investment process and make an impact with the banks we hold. Hey, Rob, how are you today? Doing well. How are you doing, Emma? Doing great. So I wanted to go into our process with integrating environmental social governance processes in our financials credit investment strategy in particular today. So I know the team focuses on community and regional banks as an asset class. Are those an obvious choice for an ESG integrated investment, in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. Outside of the wonderful credit story that community banks represent, I mean, think about the term community bank. It's really embedded in the name of the business model itself. We like the credit side of community banks, but also their engagement in their local markets is critical to their success and critical to the success of their communities as well. It's kind of a virtuous circle. So if you think about the various ESG factors, Let's kind of go in reverse order. Governance, I mean, community banks are highly regulated. They have expectations that they have to maintain capital adequacy. They have pretty strong guardrails around the kind of lending they can do, and they're unlikely to get into any kind of financial distress. In addition, they've got regulatory requirements such as the Community Reinvestment Act that requires them to deploy a certain amount of funding back into their communities, into things like affordable housing projects or small business formation loans or loans to charities and nonprofits in their region. So the governance requirements, because of the strict regulatory regime they're under, really lend themselves very strongly to an ESG framework. If you think about the social impact they have, these community banks are often the most important institutions in their communities, especially in smaller, more remote rural regions. And the kind of lending that they engage in is really the kind of thing that a Wall Street bank from another area really wouldn't have the capacity to do because they don't know these communities well. So if there's someone who wants to start a small business or someone who's looking to purchase a home that might have specific credit needs, the community bank knows that individual or knows that borrower and they can react to those specific needs. So we find that very often community banks are lending to small businesses, to affordable housing projects, to students who want to finance their education at a local educational institution. They're also investing in their local municipalities through things like bonds that are issued specifically to fund the development of school districts or hospitals. So both from an investing side as well as from a lending side, they're very actively engaged in promoting their communities and providing the funding that's necessary for those projects to be successful. And then on the environmental side, most banks are individuals sitting in front of computer screens like most of us in an office or in a bank branch somewhere. And so really their environmental footprint or their carbon footprint is relatively benign. And because of that, we really want to try to help the banks get that message out there that they're both strong on the environmental side as well as on the social side. And then overall, from a governance perspective, being highly regulated, I mean, they naturally align with the ESG factors. And one of Angel Oak's goals is to promote this through helping banks disclose how strongly aligned with ESG principles they already are. So it seems like these investments are, are really a natural piece of an ESG portfolio if you're looking to get exposure there. What factors do we look for within the E, the S, and the G specifically? Is there anything we can tie to, like 
the UN SDGs, for example? Oh, absolutely. So when we started looking at the way that the business model aligned with ESG factors, we naturally thought, gosh, how does this point towards the sustainable development goals promoted by the UN? And so we have actually been able to directly map some of our ESG factors that we use in our proprietary scorecard-based approach to specific UN SDGs like decent work and economic growth or quality education or reduced inequalities or sustainable cities and communities. All of the activities that I described earlier that community banks are very engaged in contribute to the success of those sustainable development goals. So we do pay careful attention to that. We specifically thought of those factors when we developed our proprietary scorecard approach that I referred to earlier. And this scorecard approach basically evaluates about 50 elements that represent parts or components of the community bank's business model. And we broke them up into the E component, the S component, and the G component. So we evaluate each of those separately. Some of the things that I talked about earlier obviously fit into E, S, and G. Some of the other things that we look at, though, from a governance perspective, what about board diversity? Because we know that statistics show that more diverse senior management teams, leadership teams, and boards lead to success. So we evaluate the diversity both on gender and ethnicity lines at the banks that we invest in. We often see that banks are specifically trying to target opportunities to lend into solar energy. For instance, a lot of banks are very active in lending to solar panel-based projects. And so we can evaluate that using our scorecard-based approach. And each of the different areas has a score associated with it, E, S, and G. And that sums up to our composite score we evaluate. And scoring the banks is a great exercise for us, of course. And most of the community banks that we invest in score very well because their business models are naturally aligned with ESG factors. But the other important thing to us is that their trajectory is positive. And by that, I mean that we can observe that the banks are getting better at this over time. And that's one of the reasons that we developed the scorecard, because the scorecard helps us to track the trajectory of the banks and be able to demonstrate to our investors that these banks are doing better over time because their scores are improving. And part of the reason that their scores are improving is because we're engaging with these banks to help them to do better, to present them with opportunities or to help to educate them about how they can better align their business models with ESG factors. So that proprietary scorecard that you and the team have developed sounds really robust and like a really powerful measurement tool to see how these banks are performing from an ESG perspective. When exactly does this come into play in the investment process? Is this something that Cheryl Pate and Johannes Paulson can use when they're first looking at a community bank? Does it serve as a negative screen or is it more integrated later down the process? You know, that's a great question, Emma. And the answer is that really the ESG scorecard is integrated in our investment approach from the very beginning. So on a pre-purchase basis, when we're having due diligence calls with the banks that we're considering investing in, of course, we talk about their credit profile and we evaluate their financial performance, but we always allocate a certain amount of time to speak directly with senior management about their ESG factors, to learn what they're doing right now and to potentially identify opportunities where we can have positive impact by helping them to get on a better trajectory if we decide to invest in these institutions. So it's embedded in the pre-purchase due diligence process, but it also serves a very important ongoing surveillance role because we conduct an initial assessment and then create an initial score. But over time, our goal is to see that score increase and that requires additional engagement with senior management. Yes, we can monitor publicly available information that might change the scorecard profile, but it's important for us to touch base with our invested institutions periodically, in fact, at least annually, 
so that we can maybe share some best practices that we've learned about to help them to do better with regard to ESG factors. It increases their scorecard, of course, but ultimately it's helping them to serve their communities better. That's great. So this scorecard, this collection of all of these data points and creating a time series of these data points really enables you to maybe make an impact with some of these investments that the team holds. Do you have any examples of where we've done so or some major initiatives to that effect? Oh, absolutely. So I think we could take that from the E, the S, and the G perspective to demonstrate our impact with a couple of examples. So one is our partnership with Carbon Disclosure Project, or CDP. We've been partnering with them for a couple of years to help banks to create a framework where they can disclose their ESG factors to investors and other stakeholders. They have a strong business model. They're benign from a carbon footprint perspective, and they have very strong social impact. And what we're finding is when banks are better disclosing this information, they get better treatment in the capital markets. So when they go to issue debt or to raise equity or to fund themselves in other ways, this transparency into their ESG factors actually results in better treatment. And what that really boils down to is a lower cost of funds. So by identifying these opportunities that banks have to better align with the issue principles, they're actually saving themselves a lot in terms of funding costs, and they're able to therefore do a better job of lending in their communities because they have more favorable cost of funds. So what are some examples of that? I mentioned the disclosure elements that the Carbon Disclosure Project promotes, and this is a standard framework around the world really globally that firms adhere to to alert investors to their carbon footprint their emissions or lack of emissions. And it helps investors to evaluate the environmental impact that these firms have. And of course, because of the business model that community banks have, theirs is very favorable. So by making more transparency, they're gonna get better treatment in the capital markets. And our project with the CDP is an ongoing one where we're trying to get more and more of our banks to disclose this information to get this additional benefit in the capital markets. What would be an example on the social side? Well, we don't want to tell the banks how to lend, but we have had a number of situations where we've identified advantageous funding opportunities for banks. One example is based on our relationship with the federal home loan banks that are scattered across the country. These organizations exist to provide favorable financing to banks, primarily to fund housing-related lending projects. And they actually have specific programs that are available to provide favorable funding for affordable housing projects. One of the things that we found is that some of our invested institutions are not aware of these opportunities, and we've partnered some of our banks with the federal home loan banks in their regions, and they've been able to take advantage of that favorable funding to fund affordable housing projects in their communities that they might not otherwise have been able to participate in. So that's one good example of positive social impact. And then on the governance side, one of the things that we find that our banks struggle with, primarily because many of them are in remote rural areas, is diversity on their senior executive team and their board of directors. And so one of the other partnerships that we've established is with an organization called Bank on Women. Bank on Women is a 501c3 nonprofit that maintains a database and a network of qualified female or women professionals who would be appropriate candidates for a board position, for instance. A lot of times these candidates are available at a local university, perhaps in a business program, and some of the banks that we work with haven't thought to look in those areas to identify more diverse board candidates. So our relationship with Bank on Women actually helps our banks to create a more diverse perspective in their boards and senior management teams. There's obviously a lot to do within ESG and impact within community and regional banks. And 
you've built out a real process around that. So thanks for your time today and I'll let you get back to it. Sure. And thanks for the opportunity to provide some transparency into what we're doing around ESG in the community banking space.